Someone at the studio was like, yeah, we got to get rid of Burton. Family said this movie was too sexual. And then Joel Schumacher comes in and it's like nipples. And they're <laughs> like, oh, no, what have we done? <laughs> Hi, and welcome to episode of Cine Nation. My name is Brandon Sparks. And I'm Thomas Horton. And here on Cine Nation, we discuss film genres and the tropes and stories within them. On today's episode, we are beginning our month-long journey on Christmas adjacent movies. And some of you might be wondering, what is a Christmas adjacent movie? Well, we're going to try and spend this month breaking it down for you because it's not really a defined genre. The Christmas adjacent movie is mainly defined by the setting and time of year being Christmas. Um, But in order to kind of define the type of movie a Christmas adjacent is, we're going to have to also break down what a christmas movie movie is so so thomas how do you want to start this do you want to like break down christmas movies and then christmas adjacent like yeah yeah i think so um you know you might you might just want to pause this and go back and listen to our our episode of on on christmas movies two years ago in our in our infancy yeah like two years ago two years ago yeah it was the um, first episode back to the to this revamp show yeah because we we covered a lot there uh you know Christmas movies are a lot about uh, family. We talked about family. Yeah. We talked about ha- someone, the main character, having a change of heart. We talked a lot about the influence of A Christmas Carol as kind of being the OG Christmas story. And a lot yes. of a lot of films are going to follow that trope in some way. There's going to be someone whose life is changed by the spirit of Christmas, and uh, and it's going to bring about a, a change for them. And it's not all going to feel like Scrooge, but I mean, you know, that's that also describes something like a wonderful life. His his life is changed by the spirit of Christmas. He's kind of the opposite of Scrooge, but he's someone who still needs to 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 relearn this this spirit and the and the joy of Christmas and the togetherness of Christmas. And uh, and that's that's all the the stuff that kind of makes a Christmas movie a Christmas movie. And and there's all these movies now, and we talked about it a lot in our last episode in our last christmas episode about you know the the current wave of hallmark films and lifetime films and netflix films that are all these romances and it's all about coming back to your hometown and and seeing your family again and refine you know taking a break from your busy job to to refine whatever it is about christmas and that brings you love and and so a lot of what we're going to be talking about this month are movies that are set around christmas time but aren't necessarily a christmas movie in in those themes Uh, because there are a lot of movies that we're going to see that use those tropes as a kind of shorthand um you know we're going to be talking later in our director episode about a director who has openly said i like to make dark movies set during christmas because i automatically have that built in like oh this is kind of screwed up because this this is what we think christmas is supposed to mean in the movies and this is what i'm playing it for yeah and a lot of christmas adjacent movies do that i mean they're usually like it could be a horror film or it could be a crime film a lot of again a lot of crime type stuff and we and i think i mentioned this on that two years ago with this of how like christmas and and noir mm-hmm. have some sort of like kind of connections together because with noir we talked about last month even of how noir kind of came up and like as kind of a reaction to world war ii and what was happening then and weirdly the christmas genre was coming up in america around the same exact time 
So you were saying, and and so you usually dealt with like people coming back from like the war. Like I know it was what was some of the ones we talked about that year it was like a Christmas Christmas in Connecticut was that mm-hmm. where it was like she was Barbara Stanwyck was like making uh, a pose as like a Dear Abby type person or mm-hmm. a newspaper personality, and she was hosting a soldier after he was returning home for the war. Um, we talked about I'll Be Seeing You, which was about uh, Joseph Cotton plays a soldier who comes back with PTSD. So like that was all kind of happening at the same time. And so it was interesting seeing kind of the Christmas movie and then the noir noir genre is kind of the antithesis of it, of Christmas being goodwill towards men uh, and helping people out. And noir was like, don't trust anyone type thing. Mm-hmm. So yeah. And so with Christmas adjacent, it is. And someone brought up to me recently, like Christmas adjacent movies is kind of like, if you take the setting of Christmas out of the movie, how much does the film change? Yeah. That's kind of the big key with some of this stuff. Mm-hmm. I think with today with Batman Returns, it's a film that Christmas is a is a big part of it, but I could see you taking it out and like creating just another Batman movie yeah. if that makes sense. Yeah. Batman yeah. doesn't have a big, oh, it's Christmas moment. That, yeah, I mean that's. I think that is ultimately what what we're talking about when we're talking about a Christmas movie. Somebody has to go look around. It's Christmas. It's Christmas. Like, <laughs> yeah, you know, and um, and a lot of these movies, like you're saying, it's it's not a not necessarily like a stylistic approach, although it is that too, and that's something Tim Burton excels at. But uh, it's a it's a atmospheric approach. It's that that instant kind of more twisted atmosphere you get by setting something kind of darker around christmas and not making these the story or the themes be christmas themed exactly like this new one that just came out where walton goggins is hunting santa claus played by mel gibson is a dark twisted movie but it's that's a christmas movie <laughs> yeah. yeah 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 it has to be inherent in the plot of the of the story and not mm-hmm. just use this like atmosphere but with today with today's movie batman returns some have even labeled batman returns like the anti-christmas movie mm-hmm. it's interesting because you could argue this is a christmas movie but it, it what it does that all the kind of the value like for example with batman returns here usually at the end of a christmas movie it's the the character is fulfilled and they've learned something about the world of like why the world's good or whatever and batman kind of learns the opposite yeah like it, it's a little bit of like at the end he's like alone with with with, with alfred but like is alone and kind of is like wondering like what is this kind of all for in a way it feels like because the one person that was close to him he's now lost mm-hmm. the one person that understood him one mm-hmm. you know once again if you go back to these christmas movies you're, you're talking about uh growing closer with your family seeing people change for the good um you know love for your fellow man and and at the end of this Mm -hmm. movie you know batman is obviously still an orphan uh yeah penguin is an orphan who had no love from his family and was given an opportunity to change for the good and chose not to take it catwoman also given an opportunity to change for the good chooses not to take it and i think batman leaves this whole yeah i think batman leaves this whole experience with no faith restored in in humanity whatsoever exactly so let's just get right to batman returns then uh for those who don't know batman returns released in 1992 available currently streaming on hbo max if you have that 
but you can also rent it if you don't have that on Amazon Prime, like Google Play, YouTube, probably. But Batman Returns stars Michael Keaton returning as Batman slash Bruce Wayne from the original Batman 89 movie uh, with new actors, including Danny DeVito as Penguin, Michelle Pfeiffer as Catwoman, and Christopher Walken as Max Shrek. And then Tim Burton, original director of Batman, returned as well to direct Batman Returns. So I I realized, I mean, I watched this movie a lot growing up, and this was probably my favorite Batman film as a kid. And honestly, might be my, number two on my list of Batman favorites still. Um, and I haven't watched it fully in a while. And so it was interesting coming back and looking at this and seeing how little Batman is actually in this movie. Yeah. Like, yeah, I don't know. He, he doesn't really show up. He shows up uh, at, at when Penguin and his henchmen, uh, the Red Triangle gang, attack Gotham. It's it's interesting because it's it, what it does is that we, like, we don't replay the origin of Batman. Hmm. And I think what's very important with this movie in terms of looking at, like, we talked about sequels a few months ago, is this feels like the first, like, true... I know Superman had sequels previously but superman 2 was kind of they were shooting that as like a part two like together uh with superman one and this feels like hey we're gonna do a sequel but we're gonna make it kind of stand alone by itself mm -hmm. and this kind of i think sets the i personally think sets the the groundwork for future like franchises yeah um so what were your thoughts on this movie yeah this was also my favorite of the kind of the burton era ones when i was growing up it's uh it's just a little bit more burtony than uh than the first one i think i think he really gets to run wild with this one and yes. um, yeah I, i'd love to see the numbers on on keaton's like screen time in this because it really just feels like a penguin catwoman movie and batman is, yeah. is just kind of a side character in it but you know that's also that was that was like the superhero trend prior to the marvel cinematic universe was always make the the villains more interesting than the than the hero and this feels like a vil basically villain origin stories for both of mm -hmm. them i mean i mean the thing about all the batman movies all the those say that those those four of burton and schumacher is they all play as villain origin stories mm -hmm. like you never see the origin story of batman himself it's everyone else around him you see their origin yeah. for. Yeah, I mean, outside of the first one, but that's also, like, part of Joker's origin story. Yeah, I, but I, it, thing is, but you don't see, like, hey, we're going to see Batman put on the cowl for the first oh, time. yeah, yeah, like, like, I mean, that, he, that was why starts. Batman Begins was so groundbreaking, because it was like, yeah. this is where he learned to fight, and this is where he became afraid of bats. And, yeah, I remember going to see Batman Begins in theaters and being like, oh, oh, okay. And so, in, a in actuality, I'll bring this up now, is that that's what Keaton wanted to do for the third movie. Mm. And Warner Brothers was like, we don't want to do that. And he's like, cool, I'm out. <laughs> uh, and that was after Tim Burton had left. He was still on board. He's like, hey, let's go and, like, see this guy when he starts. Like, let's see how he becomes, like, the Batman. And he actually turned down, I'll bring this up later, too, but he turned down uh 15 million dollar salary which would have been made him the highest paid actor i think at that time wow to do batman 3 he's and he was just like no i don't it's he didn't believe in the script so he just he just bounced yeah a lot of german expressionism in this movie in yeah. terms of this the art deco style of like production design and everything 
I also was expecting at some point to, to hear the penguin go make Gotham great again. <laughs> it's the this movie weirdly I is still relevant to me. Like it's just the whole political aspect of it. Um, there's, really there's kind- multiple times that I, I took a couple of screenshots watching it that Max Shrek is wearing like an outfit and and doing the like peace pose and i was like i've yeah, seen yeah. roger stone do that exact pose and wear that exact <laughs> outfit but like not even just that but even kind of like this like the me too stuff in a way mm-hmm. like catwoman is like or selena kyle is very much like it's this it's this she's assistant to this big businessman who kind of takes advantage of her mm-hmm. and most of the men are always trying to sexualize her the entire time uh even when she becomes catwoman and yeah it's it's but yeah it was like i think i read read a uh articles like the 10 storylines that batman returns sh- or show that batman returns ahead of its time and it was like corrupt businessmen like kind of a feminist perspective for the cat for selena kyle and the me too stuff and then it was like a non-politician running for office was the other one with yeah. with the with you know, also just media in general like the Me- yeah. manipulation of the media yeah exactly so it's interesting kind of seeing how because yeah if, i mean if you look at the plot points in this movie so much of the conflict in this movie is just penguin and batman going back and forth as to who can shape the other person's image in the media like that's true back and forth and back and forth because Ping- Penguin stages stages stuff to, to basically frame Batman. But brief history of how Batman Returns got made. So, after the massive success of the 1989 film Batman, Warner Brothers wanted to make a sequel, of course. And they wanted director Tim Burton and star Michael Keaton back for the film. Uh, the original Batman film had become the fifth highest grossing movie of all time at that point when it came out with a worldwide gross of $411 million. Burton and Keaton initially had zero interest in returning for a sequel. Burton went off and made Edward Scissorhands, but Warner Brothers still pushed for a sequel. This resulted in a script being written by screenwriter Sam Hamm, one of the original writers of the first Batman film. The initial title for this movie was Batman 2. Batman 2 would be a direct continuation of the first film, with Bruce Wayne and Vicki Vale dating and possibly end up being engaged by the end of the film. The studio, however, wanted Penguin to be the bad guy, but Burton wanted Catwoman in the film. Warner Brothers believed Penguin was the number two villain of all in all of Batman's rogue gallery, when Catwoman was one of Burton's favorite. Um, allegedly, here's some of the story plots of this. Allegedly in the story, Batman was protecting the homeless who were being forced out of Gotham by the city by the city's efforts to clean up the city. Uh, one of the homeless people was a 12-year-old kid who knows martial arts, and that would be Robin. Uh, The main plot line would be Penguin and Catwoman murdering the wealthiest men in town in an attempt to collect secret raven statues. The finale would be on Christmas Eve at Wayne Manor, resulting in an Agatha Christie-style evening to find a hidden treasure within the Wayne Manor. Wow. The film would also continue... (laughs) The film would also continue uh, Bruce's journey about, about his about finding out about his family and apparently uncovering Wayne family secrets. Basically they were like taking inspiration from like Maltese Falcon and like these type, like some of these noirs of that era. Yeah. How do you feel about Batman or Catwoman and Penguin searching for hidden treasure in Gotham city? I mean, that, that sounds like an awesome movie. Like I'm glad we got this one, but uh, yeah, I'd watch, I'd watch that. I'd yeah. watch an Agatha Christie uh, story <laughs> set in Wayne Manor. That'd be amazing. Uh, 
Yeah. Uh, Burton disliked the early drafts and refused signing on. So Warner Brothers pitched Burton with the idea to just make a Tim Burton movie and not a Batman movie. <laughs> Burton liked that freedom, so he hired screenwriter Daniel Waters, the writer of the dark comedy Heathers, to create a true Tim Burton Batman. Waters wrote five drafts of the script for what became Batman Returns. Some of the things included in it were Harvey Dent and the Max Shrek role, which was going to be Billy D. Williams, who played Harvey Dent in the first film, coming back in that role. And at the end of the movie, Selena Kyle would turn, would turn him in the Two-Face when she electrocuted him at the end of the film. Robin also would have been in the film, and he would have been the mechanic for the Batmobile, is what it was. And I think it would have been the Tim Drake version of Robin and not Dick Grayson, is what it you was. Yeah, that's funny. There's a line that yep, I feel is. like <laughs> might be from an older draft. Yeah, the, he and Alfred have this whole talk about who's going to fix the Batmobile, who can they trust, and then they like exactly. never come back to that whatsoever. But let's not forget about repairing the Batmobile. There's security to consider. It's not as though we can take it to any old Joe's body shop, is it, sir? Security? Who let Vicky Vale into the Batcave? I'm sitting there working, and I turn around, there she is. Oh, hi, Vic. Come on in. So Vicky Vale was ultimately cut from the script because Burton did not want Returns to be a direct sequel to Batman 89. In one draft, Max Shrek was apparently the Penguin's long-lost brother in one of the drafts. Basically, Max would have been the the good son and Penguin would have been the bad son is what it was mm -hmm. kind of going to be. Uh, Waters was the person who added the social commentary layer to the film, specifically lifting a plot line from the 1960s Batman TV series where the Penguin runs for mayor of Gotham. Burton would also hire screenwriter or possibly studio. The studios did uh, hire screenwriter Wesley Strick Strick to do an uncredited rewrite of the film after his work on Martin Scorsese's Cape Fear. Strick said the big aspect of the film that was lacking and that the Warner Brothers wanted to fix was Penguin's master plan. Warner Brothers suggested Strick add a plot line about Penguin either warming or freezing Gotham City. Instead, that would be a joke line as well mm -hmm. when Penguin says, like, stop global, global warming, start or start global cooling or whatever. And then that would be the plot line of Batman and Robin when Mr. Freeze freezes gotham city mm -hmm. uh strick allegedly added most of the moses parallels in the third act with the kidnapping of the firstborns once the script is in good shape michael keaton signed on and release date one was given uh when keaton signed on he asked for a pay raise which resulted in him being paid around 11 million dollars in salary he also asked for a zipper on the bat suit so he could use the bathroom without taking it off that was his <laughs> main condition and we got Batman Returns. So what what were some of your favorite scenes in this movie? Uh, literally anything Michelle Pfeiffer is in. I would agree. <laughs> I would agree she's, completely. She's so wild in this. Like the, you know, it's one of those things, especially with Burton going on later in his career. There's people that Burton works really well with and there's people that, that he just doesn't. It just doesn't click. And sometimes it surprises you like who it would work well with, but it just, it feels like Michelle Pfeiffer's having a blast here and Danny DeVito. I mean, everyone is just having like way too much fun and it might be scenery chewing, but it, it works in this movie. Maybe because the scenery <laughs> yeah. is so wild that fine. I'll watch them chew on that scenery. Um, but yeah, she's, she's so much fun in this and she and, and Keaton have great chemistry. I, I love her scene when she like comes back after being uh, resurrected and she's yeah. like tearing up her her uh, house. I absolutely love the 
shot because the the way it plays out is is kind of it's it's just kind of a slow burn but she, they just have that very quick shot of her like walking into a room and just smashing like punching the neon sign and yeah. they don't show you the result until that end shot when it's like backing out from her but, but you realize that it used to say hello there and she like smashed it so it says hell here now and you're just like oh yeah that was like that was a nice payoff it was and and just it's like and, and yeah it's that kind of like again kind of this neon or that or almost like noir shot a lot of noir shots in this movie um yeah i wrote down anything selena and bruce mm. i feel like her and keaton have phenomenal chemistry together yeah and every scene they have just like works she yeah and she's she's fantastic at really nailing that duality between like selena and catwoman yeah there's a very brief and she handles it so well there's that like moment when when bruce finds her on the street where she's just like staring Mm -hmm. in the window and she's like what are you doing and uh it's not like you know they don't play it like a dr jekyll and mr hyde kind of thing where she loses all control and becomes catwoman but she very obviously like when she doesn't have the suit on she's like what what is going on like this is not me so yeah because because one of my favorite scenes is uh the masquerade ball Mm -hmm. when they have their kind when they realize who each other is when they had when they had the 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 payoff of the uh missile mistletoe Mm -hmm. uh it's deadly if you eat it or whatever yeah and it's like uh deadlier than a kiss if you mean it or whatever but i i I didn't notice it but i round line talked about how in that scene it's a masquerade ball the only people not wearing a mask are bruce and selena and so it's kind of the symbolism that the mask is their self and batman and and catwoman are their true selves is what it is Mm -hmm. and that's the whole thing with both their characters and why bruce relates to selena so much is that like they're both aware they're hiding their true selves with like the facade of like their real face if that makes sense like bruce wayne is a character he is playing and batman is his true like loner self basically there's a big comfy california king over in bedding what do you say we take off our costumes I guess I'm tired of wearing masks. Me too. Let me ask you something. Why'd you come tonight? You first. See you. That's lovely. And I really wish I could say the same, but I came for Max. What do you mean, you and... Not you and Max. <laughs> no this and max if this movie's on television there's like three specific scenes that i'm like sitting until they come on you know no matter what i've got to do and one is the masquerade scene and yeah. one is the uh when Shrek first brings Penguin down to tell him that he's going to run for mayor and he like meets his staff. <laughs> that's that is De- DeVito at his like most unhinged. And uh, the, that's the, uh, you know, it could be worse. My nose could be gushing it's blood. blood. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that's, that's when you really feel, cause so much of this movie is like, even, even Shrek is, you know, he's got that hair 
kind of thrown yeah. back it's still very german expression and i feel like that's the first time in this movie when it's just like oh there's real people that live in gotham like these two <laughs> campaign managers are like normal people and to see them like leaning in and like interacting with with the penguin is is crazy i'm jeff hi <laughs> Okay, let's see. Uh, what I'd like to do first is to put these little glove thingies on you. Our research tells us that voters like fingers. So if we want to just lose this, we'll, no, we'll do it another time then. Okay, Doug? Not a lot of reflective surfaces down on the suit, huh? Still could be worse. My nose could be gushing blood. <laughs> Your nose could be. What do you And then the the third one is is I mean ultimately the climax, but everyone everyone just comes together so well in the climax, and and you know Selena's so her, her mask is destroyed. Uh, one of my favorite moments in the entire movie is just when Shrek is like Selena, Selena Kyle, you're fine. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, dude, the, everything going on is so much bigger than Selena. that. He's <laughs> just like, nope, you're fired. I gotta make sure. I gotta make sure you know, I am firing you right no, there's now. There's just there's all four of these like insane performances all come together, and there's that moment with Devito, and he's like dying, and he's trying to get. Oh, he gets the the umbrella. And he's like, oh, I got uh, the cute one. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, and I he just falls. need a drink of cool water. <laughs> and then just falls down, and the and the penguins. Who were who were little people dressed up as penguins, pushing him pushing him down. I was, I was watching this. And I was like, that can't be real penguins. There's some incredible penguin actors in this movie, but they couldn't they couldn't handle the the funeral procession. Scene. They could not they couldn't train it. them They're, that well. They couldn't do it. Um, what else do I have down? Yeah, or oh, the scene. Okay, this is this is again. It's the scene when like when Bruce rips his mask off as Batman. <laughs> but what I thought was so funny that I never noticed this time is that. You see him because there's a big controversy, the big controversy in like I guess fanboy culture with Batman is how he wears makeup, mm-hmm. and you never see him in in the original movies really yeah, with, the, with the like eyeball. Well, I, I think you see it one time in Batman Forever with Val Kilmer where it's like it's smudged, like you see that he's like. But what's so funny in this movie is there is legit shot of of Keaton as Batman, and he's been wearing the the, the makeup the entire time. It cuts to Selena and then it cuts back to Batman and you can see on the mask he has no makeup on now. <laughs> and that's when he rips it off. And you're like, they legit cut. And so, okay, clean the makeup off and we'll do it again. I just love you know, now knowing now what the Nolan series became and all the all the work that like Morgan Freeman's Lucius Fox put into like giving Batman the most cutting edge military gear to look back and see him just be able to like pull yeah just, just pull it off <laughs> just rubber right off i was like christopher nolan would never but he did it before downey and iron man did he revealed his true identity mm-hmm. bruce wayne why are you dressed up like a bat why, why are you dressed <laughs> up like batman <laughs> like walk it just feels like his gear just like so like what's going on here yeah selena selena kyle you're fired why are you dressed up like batman he is batman was bam like it's it's uh man 
it's a great scene and and even like heard the whole nine lives thing the whole nine lives bit of just like uh two two men have killed me or no three men or you've killed me penguins killed me batman's killed me i got six lives left and it's like she yeah she's phenomenal in this movie like it's just i i for i forget like how well she is some how great she was if that makes sense like when looking at the Batman like film franchise, how we've had multiple Jokers and we've had multiple Catwomen, but it feels like even though I do like Anne Hathaway and Dark Knight Rises, it's like no one's really topped Michelle Pfeiffer. Mm-hmm. But I do. Does Michelle Pfeiffer get enough credit? If that makes well, I mean, sense, you know, I do have to correct you. Anne Hathaway did not play Catwoman; she played Selena Kyle. She was never referred to as Catwoman within the okay. film. Okay, cool. And she didn't even have ears. It was just when she when she put her goggles up on her head, it looked like ears. I mean, that, I mean, but that's that's the difference. Is you know, Nolan went out of his way and everything he did to erase the camp. Yes. Of these movies, and and so yeah, that's that's a character that is inherently campy. You go back to the Eartha Kit uh, portrayal of it. She's always like cleaning herself and all that. You know, they yeah. have that moment where. Pfeiffer's like, I'm just gonna give myself a bath, and it's I, just feel like, this I feel dirty, ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's well, yeah, it's the like Julie Newmar, Lee Merriweather stuff from the show, and it, it, but it's it, I feel like it's just like it, the Catwoman. You can and I think they're doing it again with with the with the the new one with Pattinson, where like Catwoman's playing like a cat burglar. Mm-hmm. It's like I don't. It's and well, it's weird because with this one coming up, like you have Con Farrell playing Penguin. Recently, I was, uh, it's a, a video essayist, uh, Patrick Willems, who did a thing on like uh, R-rated superhero movies. And they're talking about how like we have to realize that like superhero, like, superhero films should not all become R-rated movies. Like you have to realize these are comic books and there is like an inherent silliness to some of this. Mm-hmm. There is that campiness to it. And if we keep just like fighting to go the whole like, realistic like bloody route of it all you begin to like lose sight of why some of these like these stories were still made for kids at the end of the day yeah like um the thing with batman though and i mean i i have read a decent amount of batman it's not something i read religiously but i've like gone back there's so many like important graphic novels within the batman lore that i've gone back and hit hit all the the highlights and it's it's this it's a very weird property where you've got a lot of stuff that's really campy and you've got some stuff out there that's really dark and batman is is something that started really dark started as a detective noir turned campy due to the comics code and then due to the television show yeah and then in the 80s kind of had this revamp where a lot of big mature writers kind of like frank miller took it and said you know we want to get back to the noir roots but but they unlike nolan and i mean I'm, i don't want to i love the nolan movies i don't want to but you know his his whole thing was i want to make everything realistic a lot of the writers in the 80s who are doing these big dark batman features were combining both and so they were taking these these characters who were really campy like calendar man and saying like how can we make them campy but scary as well yeah, yeah. and i feel like that this movie captures that and i mean this is coming along at the end of a lot of those big 80s runs of the comics but uh this movie more than any other batman movie captures that like this is ridiculous 
but if you lean into the ridiculousness of it, you, like Penguin, you can make it terrifying. Like he, it's yeah. Danny DeVito, but he's like grotesque. <laughs> yeah, and kind of he horrifying. Kind of has, like black gook, gook coming out of his mouth basically the entire time. Mm-hmm. Which had McDonald's asking, "What is that? How can we put that on a toy?" Type thing. <laughs> yeah, it's. But I think it's a perfect blend of the dark, brooding nature of Batman with the campiness. Mm-hmm. Like someone, I think I said like the most Batman scene is like him beating up a circus gang in the middle of Gotham as it's like basically they're setting it on fire. Like Doug Jones's first movie, right? I, it is. I think it is his first movie. Yeah, I think it is. I watched, I watched an interview with him recently, and they. Um... Yeah, I don't remember exactly what the story was, but he had just done some like stunt work for this, and then they were like, "We're gonna make you like one of the main henchmen," and yeah. it was his first like credited role. Did you see who else was in the movie? Uh, the guy, the kid from People Under the Stairs as the newspaper. Uh, that's not the kid, not Brandon. The the guy who plays uh with no tongue. I'm blanking on the character's name. Oh yeah 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 yeah. What was it? was it Roach? It was something. Something. Roach. Roach is the yeah yeah Roach. He he's the uh. Uh, he's the one selling newspapers throughout the oh. throughout the movie. Yeah, I thought he looked familiar. Um, Sean Whalen. I want to get his mm-hmm. name right. Uh, let's see more scenes. One thing I liked with this movie that they did that I don't remember any of the other Batmans at this point doing as much. Well, for or Batman and Robin has the whole thing where like Alfred is like very involved in it, but like this one's just like it's Alfred always on like the headsets downstairs, like involved in like Batman's. Mm-hmm. like uh experience or or, or uh, a pl- uh projects or plans or whatever like he's the one pressing the buttons he's the one doing this and i don't know if we saw that as much and maybe i'm just remembering it incorrectly as much in batman 89 like it ups alfred's importance in the whole like day-to-day operations of like keaton being bat or or bruce being batman mm-hmm. and then i also again it's the uh uh, Ke- Keaton is really good in this movie. It's because even though he's not in it as much compared to the original, the first Batman, what I think with this one is that he has that perfect blend of like brooding, uh, wounded guy, but also has this like movie star charisma. Like when he's like occasionally making jokes, like the, well, who let Vicky Vale in the Batcave? Oh, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Like he's doing all that. Or, and it's also the first time. Or one of the rare times where, like, you actually see Bruce Wayne, like, a business deal, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Yeah. Like, he sits down with Max Shrek and just like, yo, I don't believe in this power plant idea you're doing. Mm-hmm. You don't seem like the type who does business with Mr. Shrek. No, you don't seem like the type who takes orders from him. Well, that's a long story. No, I could free up some time. I'm listed. Tempted. I'm working. I'm leaving we said briefly early on but the ending of when bruce is uh when they're driving through gotham on christmas mm-hmm. and he's alone and it's that very noir ending and he they pick up the cat and he takes the cat and the line of which i never real i never caught until this time was when he goes uh goodwill toward men pause and women mm-hmm and it's just it's a very it's just they they change up that care i mean it's bruce is such an interesting character and i think keaton it's weird how keaton has become the favorite of people in terms of batman if that makes sense 
Like, I feel like, I think as years go on, he still is listed by many as, like, the best person to ever do Batman. Mm -hmm. Even after Nolan's popular films with Christian Bale, like... Well, yeah, I think, I think everyone, obviously, at this point, is caught on to the theme, you know, it's one of the, it's hit on, it's hit on in this movie, it's hit on in, in the Nolan movies, but that, that Bruce is more comfortable being Batman than he is being Bruce. And I think some people can lean a little too hard in it. I think Nolan leaned into that. Maybe not necessarily Nolan, but I think that's what uh, Christian Bale kind of took as his main note. And and there Mm -hmm. there are times in that movie where it's just like, how does anyone like function around Bruce as a as a normal person? (laughs) Like, and and you know, and 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 Batman Begins, he's got some of those scenes when he's like trying to sell himself as a drunk playboy. Um, but I I think Keaton is, is one of the only people to like hit it where it's like, okay, Bruce is actually a believable human being outside of being like, he's, he's Batman, but he also can like pull off, even if he's just pretending he can pull off being like Bruce, he can, you know, he can charm Selena, uh, you know, as Bruce before she even finds out that he's Batman. Uh, yeah, he, he, he feels like one of the only people, one of the only Bruce's we've ever gotten who, who can even pretend to function as a normal human being if even if he can't even if he's not actually like pulling it off hey girlfriend sure oh you mean uh as in serious uh no had one didn't work what went wrong hang on i think i know you kept things from her no told her everything mm-hmm. and the truth frightened her well there Two truths. No, and she, she had trouble reconciling them because I had trouble uh, reconciling them. Yeah. See, Vicky thought. Vicky, ice skater or stewardess? <laughs> no, she was a um, photojournalist. Well, was Vicky right about your difficulty with duality? If I say yes, then um, you're going to think of me as a uh, Norman Bates, uh, Ted Bundy type, and uh, well, you might not let me kiss you. The so-called normal guys who always let you down. Sickos never scare me. At least they're committed. Also, one one of the weirdest lines that I love in this movie that he says is when him and Catwoman are fighting. He goes, "Eat floor, high fiver." <laughs> high fiver. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so. It's just so random. <laughs> Eat floor, high fiver. Yeah, that that feels a little bit more like it's heading that it's heading yeah, towards the, the you know the the Clooney um when he has the Batman Kinda. American Express and that's yeah. Gotta hurry. Thank you. It was set up to look like I did this. No sweat. I'll just tell the police I was kidnapped by an ugly bird man with fish breath. Somebody say fish? <laughs> I haven't been fed all day. Eat floor. <laughs> High fiber. On Onset Life. So because Warner Brothers was hoping for a sequel to Batman 89, they spent $250,000 to save all the sets from the original film. But when Burton came back, he stated he wanted to create all new sets for the film. (laughs) 
the first film was actually shot mostly in London at Pinewood Studios, but Batman Returns, they, they moved to Los Angeles. They shot on two of Hollywood's largest sound stages, one at Warner Brothers and one at the Universal Studios lot. The one on Warner Brothers housed Penguin's Lair, and I think was like just the huge, like t so much water was being pumped in every day for Penguin's Lair. Um, in 1991 at Warner Brothers, over 50% of the Warner Brothers lot was apparently dedicated to Batman Returns Gotham City sets. Wow. That's how huge this thing was. Animal rights groups began protesting the film. Can you guess why? Because of all the penguins. Yeah. Once they found out the penguins would have rockets strapped to them <laughs> at the end of the film. Uh, but many of the reports that the penguins were taken care of because Burton made sure of it and Warner Brothers as well. Uh, according to Richard Hill, the curator of the penguins, he said that Warner Brothers took wonderful care of the penguins. They were flown over from a bird sanctuary in England. The flight to L.A., they put it at the, they put the, the airplane at 45 degrees for the penguins. Aww. They were get, they were given refrigerated trailers. <laughs> they had their own swimming pool. Uh, they were given a half ton of ice every day, and they had fresh fish delivered daily to them. That sounds amazing. Some of them even mated and had and had babies during this time because they were because they said that's when you knew they were very content with what was going on. Also, even though it was a hundred degrees outside in the LA, hundred degrees outside in the LA summer, the sets where the penguins were at were put at thirty five degrees. Wow. So, which made it very difficult for Michelle Pfeiffer since she was in a pure latex suit. Yes. Speaking of Pfeiffer's suit, the, la the latex cat suit was one of the most difficult things for her in the movie. More than 60 suits were created for the six-month shoot, and each suit roughly cost $1,000 each. Wow. The suit was incredibly tight, and Pfeiffer had to be covered in talcum powder so she could slip into the costume. It was then vacuum-sealed... <laughs> which made which made it to where these suits could only be used like once each time after she was in costume they painted up with liquid silicone to give it a shiny look uh she had to wear the costume for up to 12 to 14 or up to 12 to 14 hours except for lunch breaks which was the only time she was able to use the bathroom they later changed that as they progressed according to pfeiffer while on set, Keaton went through the script and cut over half of Batman and Bruce Wayne's lines because he believed the suit did enough of the talking. He could. Well, there you go, Brandon. He could have cut the eat floor line and he, and Michael he did Keaton not personally He's chose like... to leave that line. in. <laughs> uh, screenwriter Daniel Waters was initially against this, but once seeing the final version, he believed Keaton made the right choice to do that. Danny DeVito had to wear pounds and pounds of prosthetics on set for the penguin uh, costume and he allegedly stayed in character the entire time on set <laughs> which i just think would be insane yeah i think he said like one he goes i was so miserable putting on the suit so it was very easy to slip into penguin <laughs> because it was just so heavy um warner brothers devote a large amount of effort to keep secrecy on set the art department was required to keep their office blinds closed at all times. A private investigator was hired after Entertainment Magazine leaked Dane DeVito's penguin look. And Kevin Costner, who was one of the biggest stars of all time, or biggest stars at that point, was not allowed to, to attend a set visit. He wanted to visit the set of Batman Returns. They're just like, no, we can't let you in. It's too, it's too secret. After a few test screenings, 
audiences love the film, but they wanted one thing changed. Can you guess what that one thing was? Uh, uh, they wanted Catwoman to stick around. Correct. Audience say wanted to know what happened to Catwoman because in the original version, it was unclear if she died or lived in the final battle. So about two weeks before the film's release, they added a shot of Catwoman looking to the bat signal and they had to hire a body double to do it yeah, because they couldn't get Michelle Pfeiffer. Pfeiffer. Uh, they wanted to keep her open for future films. And that one shot alone allegedly cost $250,000. Wow. Because I think there was one idea that the the back signal was going to like flicker to say that was caused by her electrocuting Max Shrek at the end or whatever. You killed me. The penguin killed me. Batman killed me. That's three lives down. You got enough in there to finish me off? One way to find out. Four. Five. aftermath of the film even the film took place at christmas it was released on june 19th 1992 that's one reason why it becomes a christmas adjacent movie if you're not releasing a christmas movie around christmas it's not christmas uh during the opening weekend the film grossed for 45 45.69 million dollars in its opening weekend which was the biggest weekend ever up to that point it made a total of 282 million worldwide which means it was the sixth highest grossing film of the year worldwide. But that was seen as a disappointment because it was about 150 million less than the original film. Really? Yeah. 130, 150 around that time. Uh, the reviews were mixed upon the film's initial release. Many criticized the film for being too dark and violent. Uh, famed critic Roger Ebert gave the film two out of four stars, saying the film wasn't bad, just misguided. Raj. Did you read his review? Uh, I did read his review. Yeah, it was it was an extremely biased review. Like he's open about <laughs> it. He's like, I love Batman. This is not my Batman. This is a, it's a good yeah. movie, but I can't get behind it because this yeah. is not the Batman I know. Yeah, he kept arguing that like because he kept comparing it to noir films, and he said like superheroes and noir films don't m match well or mesh well because uh, in noir films there are no like true heroes. And bat, but he, but he does, I think, kind of say at the end, like Batman begins to doubt that hero nature at the end of the film. Uh, some people also said there were too many characters and the villains paled in comparison to Jack Nicholson's Joker. I don't know about that. <laughs> I don't know about that. I, you know, I'm not as, I, I don't love the first Batman movie as much as a lot of people do. I think it's fine. Okay. Um, and I think Nicholson's fine. But I don't, I don't think Nicholson's brain. I don't think here's the thing. I don't think Nicholson brings anything different to that role than uh, oh I can't think of his name right now. But the guy who played it on the Cesar show, Romero? Cesar, Cesar Romero. Cesar Romero. Yeah, I think Nicholson yeah. is doing Cesar Romero. 
Well, Nicholson's kind of just playing himself a lot. Like, I mean, yeah, I don't, he's doing I don't, Nicholson doing Caesar Romero. I, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't like, I don't like saying Jack Nicholson plays himself in a lot of stuff, but Nicholson has a specific persona, mm-hmm. and he plays it incredibly well in every movie he's in. But he's Jack Nicholson playing the Joker. Who, who, who now? Grant, I want to bring this up though. Nicholson and probably Gene Hackman, Superman as well. But Nicholson and Hackman help legitimize like superhero films for a-list actors mm-hmm. so i i i, I don't want i think nicholson doesn't get enough credit for being the guy going yeah i'll put makeup on my face and play a clown yeah <laughs> coming off of like two oscar wins and one of the biggest stars in hollywood at that time yeah no i mean he's good and it's a, it's a good movie but sometimes i just feel like when people bring up nicholson if you're having a conversation about like mark hamill and heath ledger i'm just like why why are we even bringing up jack nicholson right now i'm sorry and I love him in the movie, but yeah, I, I, he's not, he's not in my top three in terms of just like Batman villains on screen for me. Yeah. Uh, there was also with the film, there was also a massive backlash from parents criticizing the film's violence and sexual references. I was about to say, I, I don't, maybe I'm just so, uh, you know, unfazed by, by violence at this point, but like, I did not <laughs> think this movie was violent at all, but it is real sexual sexual it is very much sexual the penguin stuff with catwoman is like mm-hmm. or penguin in general is yeah. a very like he again uh, he went once he gets power he becomes a very like he invades a lot of people's personal space you know you know what the most un- unrealistic part of this movie is uh, i don't know which one what is it when uh when the general public hears a tape of of <laughs> penguin saying something like really offensive <laughs> They they turn against him when we know in real life that doesn't happen. They double down and say, "Well, he didn't know he was being recorded." <laughs> it's guys, come on. Penguin Penguin said he was going to play this town like a harp from hell. That was locker room talk. That's just how the boys talk. He was just talking to this arch enemy. Like, what do you expect? He's going to tell him how he's going to save the the city. Come on. Uh, anyway, uh, so the sexual references and films violence. McDonald's ended up shutting down or questioning a lot of stuff uh around batman return shutting down their happy meal promotion because of the film's dark nature when they began prepping for a third film warner brothers called tim burton in for a meeting burton assumed he'd be tackling a third film because but but they basically said to him what if you go make something small like edward scissorhands again and he's just like well no i'm like i had this idea for batman 3 I go yeah but like what if you wanted to go like make a edward scissorhands again and he goes are you guys telling me you don't want me on the movie is <laughs> and that was their end of the meeting and and burton was out as i said earlier keaton was initially going to star in the third batman film even going so far as to having wardrobe fittings but he eventually turned down after not liking the direction of the film because they were looking for a more family friendly movie you gotta you gotta imagine they were like Someone at the studio was like, yeah, we got to get rid of Burton. Family said this movie was too sexual and we got to go with someone else. And then Joel Schumacher comes in and it's like <laughs> nipples. And they're like, oh, no, what have we done? <laughs> but it made more, it made, a lot, it made a lot more money. That's the thing. They're like, cool, we made the right decision by getting Joel. And then he doubled down for, uh, uh, for Batman and Robin. Um, also, after this movie, a Catwoman spinoff with Michelle Pfeiffer was announced but it became trapped in development hell, but it would eventually become the Halle Berry film. Yeah, I, don't I don't know, know if that was the I initial don't know if script. I, could handle, I don't know if I can handle 
feature of just Michelle Pfeiffer. Like her, just her energy is yeah. so chaotic in this movie. I don't know if That's I true. follow her. For- yeah, I think initially Batman Forever, she was going to return. Catwoman was going to return in Batman Forever. But they said, hey, uh, let's not do that and just do her own movie. And I think I said the first, I heard the first draft of the Michelle Pfeiffer Catwoman was turned in the day Batman Forever opened. And it was like, yeah, it was kind of hard to say like, hey, we're going to do this like Tim Burton Catwoman movie when this family friendly Batman movie opened and made a lot of money. Mm -hmm. So it was like, it was like the worst timing for it, but onward. So what worked about this movie? Uh, I'll tell you one thing that worked about this movie was setting it at Christmas. <laughs> um, I think we've we've just we've seen so much of Gotham and like the dark streets and the Art Deco, especially Tim Burton's Gotham, and I love his design for it. But but Gotham is just such a always seems like such a miserable place to live, and I love that this <laughs> is set at Christmas and people are just trying to be some sort of normal in Gotham. You know, you've yeah, got yeah, the yeah. toy store, but it's Max Shrek's toy store and it's corrupt yeah. and you've got the tree lighting, but the bats are coming out of the tree. But I do really love, and I mean, not just to play into the theme of this month, but I, I do really, really love that this one is set at Christmas uh, because yeah. it, it, it bumps up that contrast even more. You know, going back to the noir and the, the German expressionism, con- it was all about contrast, light in the yeah. dark. And this one got, got so he, Burton made it so much more dark, but by putting that that Christmas in there, it it, it hits that balance yeah. that makes it just kind of more twisted and fun instead of just being like dark all the way. I think that's what makes makes this movie to me stand out the most of all the Batman movies. I'm including Nolan. I'm including whatever you want to say about the Zack Snyder stuff, but like it stands out so much because it's set around the holiday. And, 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 and I think we're going to talk about, I want to talk about this later, like as the month goes on, but what I find so interesting is that you don't see, and maybe, maybe I'm wrong with this, but you don't see a lot of like, not even just Christmas adjacent movies, but holiday adjacent movies, like a lot of in the eighties and nineties, kind of, you would see a lot of people set movies during a holiday to just to kind of like give it a little bit of like realism, I guess you could say, or some sort of like elevate it in a, in, a, in, a, in a particular way and now like you don't really have that it's like if you're having a holiday in a movie it has to be like it has to be a thanksgiving film it has to be a christmas film do you know what i mean like mm. you don't really see this kind of like oh yeah it's the side side kind of thing oh man brandon have i got the batman graphic novel for you it's called batman the long halloween i have and, it i and, have it. and <laughs> I each chapter it. is based around a holiday <laughs> I'll read it after this. It's great. That's one of my favorites. Uh, what else worked about it? I mean, I would say the Selena Kyle Bruce Wayne relationship is like mm-hmm. cast all around. Everyone's everyone's chemistry. Uh, Walken's chemistry with Devito. Walken's chemistry with with Pfeiffer. I mean, once again, favorite part of the movie. <laughs> Selena Kyle, you're fired. You're fired. <laughs> um, Selena. Selena Kyle. You're fired. And Bruce Wayne, why are you dressed up like Batman? Because he is Batman, you moron. Was. Yeah, every, everybody's works super well in the, together in this movie. Um, no, no hate for Kim Basinger, but like, 
Vicky Vale and Bruce Wayne could never don't hold a candle <laughs> to Bruce Wayne and Selena Kyle. The chemistry I, I agree is with insane. you. I agree with you. The chemistry yeah, not, is insane. I mean, is it just me or I feel like the Selena Kyle Bruce Wayne stuff is not talked about enough in modern day in this movie. Like yeah, no, the I, masquerade I, scene is incredible. When she starts yeah. like crying a little bit. And, yeah. and they're just like trying to keep dancing when they're both like freaking out. Yeah. Well, oh yeah, she when she realizes when she realizes he's Batman, she cries and he like wipes away her tear and brings her in closer. Oh mm-hmm. man, they're so damn good in this movie. <laughs> A kiss under the mistletoe. You know, mistletoe can be deadly if you eat it. A kiss can be even deadly. Does this mean we have to start fighting? Let's go outside. Anything else on what worked? Yeah, no, I love... I, you, you were talking about building the brand new sets. Uh, you know, this is the best Gotham's ever looked. Shul- Schumacher just gets, like, way out of control. There's yeah. a scene in particular in, like, Batman and Robin where they're, like, riding a motorcycle down this, like, giant human sculpture that's, like, taller than any of the buildings in yep. Gotham. And it's just, like calm it down and it's still (laughs) calm this gotham in this one functions in that tim burton way where it's like definitely not real life but like could be maybe Uh, so so it's funny you say that so do you know what they are what they modeled gotham city off of like that specific like kind of square area and everything Hmm. rockefeller center that was their inspiration yeah and you can see that in like the Art Deco style of like, and, and just kind of the city square they have. But yeah, Rockefeller Center in New York. Uh, also, I'm also going to shout out uh, Danny Elfman's music, mm-hmm. his Batman score. I think I read that his that he had done 95 minutes worth of music for this movie is what it was, which is almost the entire movie. I don't know if they used all 95 minutes of it. Uh, I think I think Elfman works best when dealing with christmas kind of stuff like like yeah. just that the the you know Elf, what he's kind of become known for with his work with tim burton is to make this stuff that a lot like burton's visual style and story yeah. style is sounds very beautiful but is like a little bit twisted and yeah. uh and that's the Ezra, edward scissorhands kind of theme the snow theme is very kind of christmasy uh mm-hmm. obviously the music from nightmare before christmas and and this music here all has like the bells and the the things yeah. we would normally think of in Christmas music, but then it's also got the Batman theme in there from before. Yeah, so he's doing something really fun with it, where he's taking his his previous theme and and kind of reworking it to make it Christmassy. Did anything not work? Uh, you know, there's this one line in the movie where Batman says, "Eat floor." <laughs> <laughs> High fiver. That that scene, as much as I love their chemistry, it's, I don't know why they picked that one scene when he's trying to rescue the ice princess, and it's just yeah. all quips, all quips back and forth. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just like, like that even bothered me as a kid. Like that yeah. line, I was like, what? And and what and what they chose to do with the next couple movies is is just triple down on that. Yeah, other thing that didn't work for me, and it's funny because you texted me kind of independent of of I was going to bring this up. Um, I don't, I didn't, I, especially this time rewatching it, I just realized I don't care for the editing of this movie very much at all. 
and you you texted me last night and you were like this movie could be a little bit shorter it could but, be but um, yeah it, i just i mean like, just like it's, the, it's over two hours yeah just kind of the cutting in scenes is a little weird like not a lot of the action sequences aren't cut very well i don't think they mm-hmm. cut around kind of the fight choreography great yeah um and there's one specific shot it fe- it feels like that um it feels like that shot everybody brought up after um bohemian rhapsody won best editing that like one scene where yeah, one yeah, of the characters yeah, yeah. is like sitting yeah. down in like three different shots there's one sequence after uh selena blows up max shrek where you see the like transformer that the two of them were standing against you see it fall down six times from six different angles it's funny you bring that scene up because there's something that bothered me in that scene as well not just not just that transformer part but it's the scene when selena and bruce or catwoman and batman are having their like uh their conversation Mm-hmm. uh of like him like about to rip off his mask mm-hmm. and in the background i don't know if it's what's behind her it's bouncing up and down which makes it feels like they're like on like a dock that's like yeah. swaying back and forth yeah, yeah but then it cuts to him and nothing's moving does that make sense it's like yeah, he's just yeah. standing still I noticed, I noticed that swaying when i was watching it, and yeah. i was just like what, what's going on here because she's just ba- it looks like she's bouncing up and down but what is the thing behind her the set piece is bouncing up and down mm-hmm. and it makes her feel unstable when he's just kind of like i'm batman standing still looks like it was cut by uh chris levinson who is is uh burton's kind of regular collaborator as far as editing also did top gun and beverly hills cop 2 Oh, he's a Tony Scott guy early. He's early and, turning. And Midnight Run. I don't like dissing an editor, but yes, I understand. No, this this one there, I, I, I'm someone who rarely notices. I'm not someone who sits and goes, that was a bad cut. But there are a couple times in this one. And I don't know what the circumstances was. You know, they might have. Yeah. It might have been 20 minutes longer and they had to go back and make a late pass or something. But uh, there were a couple times I was watching scenes, especially fight scenes. I was like, they just let that shot breathe way too much. Like right after yeah. a punch. You sh- it should have been cut immediately. Um, yeah, that was something I never really noticed before this this run. Yeah, same in terms of what you said about the length because I, I texted you about. I was like, it it got to the point where I was like, oh, we're it's, this this is getting a little long right now. Like, it just feels like I don't know where you can cut out, but like it, it should be under two hours. It should be under a two hour movie. Onward to alternate universe cast. We got a lot. I do wonder if some of these are just like people that were hot at the time, so everyone kind of named them. Mm-hmm. Um, but still worth discussing. So the big one, Catwoman. Uh, initially, Annette Benning was cast in the role of Catwoman, but she became pregnant, so they they had to recast her with Pfeiffer. Mm-hmm. I'll say this too because I don't know where to put it, but Pfeiffer would take up kickboxing and whip lessons to prep yeah. for Catwoman. She rocks that whip. She does very much so. Apparently, she uh she actually cut her trainer by hitting me in the chin with her whip on accident when she was doing it. Uh, Sean Young, who was supposed to play Vicky Vale and Batman. <laughs> I don't know if you've heard the story. Uh, showed up to the production office, dressed as Catwoman, asking for the part Aww, because she so believed because she was, she was, she was cast as Vicky Vale and Batman, but she also got pregnant and had to drop out. And so she believed because she was cut from that film. She deserved to be the, the lead female she would have been a great Vicky Vale. I, I'm I love Sean Young. I'm I yeah. And there's a lot of times I I wish she'd gotten better breaks in her career, but um, not necessarily as Catwoman. I don't know. I don't know if I see that. But she she apparently 
she apparently came into the office of one of the producers. I think Michael Keaton was there and hopped on the desk and started like hissing is what it was or something kind of crazy. <laughs> Tim Burton's like, I wasn't there, but I heard from people that this actually happened. But there are some stories. They said that Burton hid under his desk. I'm not entirely sure how true that is. Uh, here are 15 names who are considered for Catwoman. <laughs> wow. <laughs> 15 more names. Uh, Meryl Streep. <laughs> but Burton deemed her too old, which is ageist. Yes. Susan Sarandon. Okay. I can see that. Brooke Shields. Eh. But she mm. was deemed not bankable enough. And then I'll run through these and you can say, you can say yay or nay. Uh, Demi Moore. Eh. Uh, Nicole Kidman. Uh, well, I think we saw in the next film how that turned out. Yeah. Yeah. She got Chase Meridian. Uh, Jodie Foster. Uh, no, I would not buy Jodie Foster as Catwoman. I'm sorry. Love Jodie Foster. Uh, Gina Davis. And maybe. That's the closest one you gave me so far, other than Sean. Young. Okay. I think I read, I don't know how true it is, but she did League of Their Own instead. I'm not saying, and I don't think she wasn't offered the role, but I think that was like, she just said, hey, I'll just do this instead. Uh, Sigourney Weaver. Yes. <laughs> okay. Absolutely. Uh, uh, Madonna. No. Cher. No. Ellen Barkin. Maybe. Okay. Maybe. I think, yeah. So maybe. Yeah, I think Alan Barkin could have pulled it off for sure. Uh, Jennifer Jason Lee. Mm, yeah, I can see now, like, seeing some of her take on darker roles a little bit later in her career. Yeah, but at the time, if I was a studio head, I'd say no. Uh, Lorraine Bracco? Oh, good yeah. Goodfellas? Yeah. Eh, nah, probably not. Okay. Uh, Bridget Fonda. Nah. I would say yes to Bridget Fonda, personally. Okay. I would say yes. Um... Jennifer Beals is the final one I have. No. From from Flashdance. Um yeah. I'd heard from one of the producers in the interview said that like every actress from age twenty five to forty was like after the role of Catwoman at that point. Uh and Michelle Pfeiffer is the one that, that ended up landing it. So Penguin. They say that Danny DeVito was the first and only choice. I mean, yeah, obviously. But I've heard rumors of other people. Uh, that were offered the role or were considered and again this is just like this is probably like people in, in a conference room saying hey what about this person what about this person we gotta go with danny devito but here are the people that were talked about allegedly yeah, i do have to say as someone who has worked in casting you get 20 page documents and you just sit there and go through them and you're like this person will never do it this person will never yeah. do it and it's like yeah but we're just you know we're just brainstorming uh so apparently allegedly the person that was offered the role but declined it was dustin hoffman <laughs> no i don't see hoffman at all as, as penguin maybe uh, shrek here, maybe as max shrek i could see him as shrek maybe i don't know i don't know about that uh uh but yeah here here are 14 names for penguin <laughs> uh i could see this person bob hoskins okay got bob yeah. hoskins john candy no sorry yeah i don't know I do love him in JFK, though, when he's kind of playing a, a bad guy where he has that New Orleans accent. He's talking. Yeah, to yeah, yeah, but he's like a sinister <laughs> bad guy. He's not like a yeah, deranged that's fair. sewer dweller. Marlon Brando. Oh, God. No, for Tim Burton's <laughs> sake. No. Wouldn't you love to see that? Just Marlon Brando is. You know how crazy. You think Danny DeVito was in character the entire time? That was the issue. Man, Brando. Oh, gosh. I don't know what would have happened. Uh, 
Dudley Moore. No. That uh, that feels like they were maybe considering the like more posh penguin that had been done previously. That to follow that up, Dean Martin. <laughs> what? No. <laughs> I don't know if someone on the internet is just lying about some stuff, but apparently Dean Martin is on a few websites I saw. I, I'm not sure. So many other Batman villains <laughs> that I would maybe entertain that idea for, but not Penguin. Was there like a lounge there, Someone was villain? like, hey, he wears a tuxedo, right? You know who else wears a tuxedo? Dean Martin. Dean Martin does, you know? I could see that. Uh, Alan Rickman. No. No, he's too low energy. Like, I would love him as a Batman villain, but he's he's too low energy for for this i think with penguin it's very hard because i feel like all, all you see is danny devito so it's hard to say yes to any yeah yeah people. well i mean obviously i like I'm, I'm familiar with you know the television show and the cartoon and like the penguin as as oswald cobblepot as a rich heir who also just yeah. happens to kind of look like a penguin but is more of a upper crust gangster um and so yeah it's some of these people i think they were obviously going for that yeah uh john goodman no, I don't buy him as in either of those roles. He's too everyman. Like I'm not going to buy him as like a yeah, like agree. a wealthy heir gangster. I'm also not going to buy him as a sewer dweller. I don't know. Phil Collins. Yes. Really? Yes. <laughs> yes. Phil Collins once did. I have I have a DVD. Um, the Who did a special Tommy concert once where they had like they brought in celebrities to play different roles, and he plays. Um, he plays like the the like pedophile uncle from Tommy. If you're not familiar okay. with the plot of Tommy, there's it's it's wild, but um, he's fantastic. Okay. In that. So I, I yeah yeah I I would have been open to see that just just knowing just knowing from that concert, having watched that concert a hundred times. I never thought that'd be the yes I got out of this list was Phil Collins. Um, Charles Grodin. No, I love Charles Grodin, but no, I'm sorry. Give me, give me a, give, you know what? Give me a Charles Grodin uh, uh, Two-Face. I'd buy that. Uh, Joe Pesci. Yes. But more as like the gangster. The gangster version. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, Christopher Lloyd. <laughs> no. Uh, and the final one, Ray Liotta. <laughs> no, thank you. Nope. I'm good. <laughs> Th- thank you, next. Um, moving on to Max Shrek. Max Shrek, as I said, was originally supposed to be Harvey Dent slash Two-Face, and that would have been played by Billy Dee Williams, who played him in the first film. Uh, a person that was considered, but I guess turned it down, David Bowie. That'd be interesting, yeah. David Bowie was playing Max Shrek, but decided to do David Lynch's Twin Peaks Fire Walk With Me instead. Hmm. Uh, Penguin's father, Tucker Cobblepot, who was played by Paul Rubens. We haven't even talked about the beginning of the movie. Uh, that was Paul, Paul- Rubens? That's Paul. You know that's Paul Rubens. I didn't even recognize him. Yeah, that's Pee Wee. It's Paul Rubens. Uh, they initially wanted and had lined up apparently to play Tucker Cobblepot, Burgess Meredith. Oh wow! As a connection to the 1960s Batman show, but mm-hmm. uh, Burgess Meredith fell ill, so they had to recast him with Paul Rubens. Yeah, Paul, with a lot of makeup on. Yeah, a lot of makeup on. Uh, Robin, who's not in the movie, they initially cast Marlon Wayans to play the Tim Drake version of robin uh initially waynes was to play a juvenile gang leader but it was then morphed to a young mechanic role waynes even had wardrobe fittings but they realized there were too many characters so they agreed to they agreed to save him for the third film waynes was paid for both batman returns and batman forever but didn't appear in either of them that's a that's a real bad look 
for Batman Forever for having two yeah. going into it with two African American male actors who who were meant to play who were under contract. Yep. To play roles and and replacing both of them. I've always wanted to bring this up because no one really talks about, but I've always felt that looked bad that you had Marlon Wayans as a black Robin and then you had Billy Dee Williams as a black Harvey Dent. And they both were recast to play by two white guys. And they both, in hindsight, would have given better performances than either of the people that, that probably. Because <laughs> I mean, it everyone knows different. it's it's well known that Tommy Lee Jones hated doing that movie. <laughs> the whole you know the Jim Carrey story of like because Jim Carrey talked about how like oh like I it's Tommy Lee Jones I want to I want like want to talk to him like work with him. And he's like, I see him out at a restaurant when we're doing Batman Forever. <laughs> and he goes, I go up to him and he shakes my hand. He leans me and he goes, I hate you. <laughs> I really hate you. <laughs> because apparently Tommy Jones hated that Jim Carrey ad-libbed so much on set. Yeah. And yeah. he wasn't a part of that. But yeah, so but apparently Marlon Wayans still receives re- residuals for Batman Returns. Good for him. Film facts. And the scene when Catwoman puts a bird in her mouth, Michelle Pfeiffer actually put a bird in her mouth. No. <laughs> yes. That's cutting away. Like she, Oh, I guess she does. She opens up her mouth and it flies out. Yeah. Uh, the, she held it in her mouth for four seconds is what she said. Is what they said. Wow. She also, there's the, also and, the and they scene. were mad about the penguins. Somebody should have been looking out for the <laughs> No one talked about the set. bird thing. Yeah. Uh, the another thing she did, they said that Tim Burton thought was so crazy, was her eyes, like that roll in the back of her head and twitch. That's all her. That's no like a special effects or anything to it. That's all Michelle Pfeiffer. Wow. It was the first film presented in Dolby Digital. Dolby Digital sounds in theaters. Batman doesn't wear boots in the movies. In the movie, he wears Air Jordans. What? Yeah, he wears like Air Jordans on some like kind of like it says uh, like on like with some like uppers or platform type things at the bottom of it, so they look like boots. Wow. But Air okay. Jordans. Compared to other Batman films in the nineties, it is the only one that doesn't have a visual reference or direct reference to Bruce's parents' death. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, like I said, it doesn't really mention it at all. Uh this is the only Batman film where Michael Keaton received top billing. Because Jack Nicholson received it in the first Batman. Hmm. The last thing, Warner Brothers had to constantly submit new Catwoman posters to various cities as many of the bus stop ads were being stolen. (laughs) It got so bad that police officers had to patrol bus stops in order to catch perpetrators before they could break the plexiglass containers and steal the posters. Today, the large-scale Catwoman bus ads are worth a great deal of money. Uh, in their place, they would send out penguin penguin posters to replace them. Story questions. I had a couple of these. Whose story is it? Oh man, I think it's it's Penguin and Selena's. Yeah, I think yeah. I guess it's a two hander between the two of them. I, I I as I think Batman's just Batman becomes the Mad Max of the movie if that makes or he's like yeah he is essential he's the central character, but he's already been established in the previous movie of like kind of who he is. And I think, I think you're still seeing him figure out who he is as a person mm-hmm. or as like, as like a, a symbol or whatever, but it's not the main plot of the movie. It's not his journey. That's just, yeah. he's, he's seeing what those two, what these two people are doing who are kind of both like versions of him is that penguin is an orphan, doesn't have a family. He's trying to find his place in the world. 
he's like the antithesis of Bruce Wayne, who not being he lost his parents as an orphan, but he gained all of their wealth and all that and became a refined person. And mm. then Catwoman is a person who, again, she is essentially f- forced into the the mantle of Catwoman in a, yeah. in a way. Uh, when Batman, when when Bruce chose it, and he's seeing how she reacts to being putting on the mask, or in reality, taking off the mask. I think it's either of them. But we open with a pretty heavy, yeah, pretty heavy we origin too. story on Penguin. That is very that's fair. Also, too, this is a side thing. How do you feel about all the biblical references in this movie? Like, do they work? Uh, I mean, the the yeah, the the all the Moses stuff. Well, it's the Moses. It's even the 33 years later. That's the whole Jesus thing, because Jesus was 33 when like he was resurrected. Or So like you wonder, like, was that a key thing to do? Like Penguin is essentially this character, this person who's being resurrected in a way and returning. Yeah, and I, I think it does set you up for this idea that like he could use this power for good. Like he he is someone who has been handed the trust of a city and he could do the right thing with it and redeem himself and he does not and was he was he destined to do that because of his his mistreatment as a child or you know when when does he make this decision that that he's he's bad for sure yeah because like he has the whole thing like the city's in his hand of like oh my parents like i forgive him blah blah but then he's like you know what? i'm gonna get all the names of the firstborn sons so i can kidnap them and kill them Mm-hmm. like uh it's dark uh and that leads to my next question who is the real villain of the movie max track 100 percent. i would agree i would agree because he is the he, reason he, he he is the reason why both these villains come to power i feel yeah yeah he's all he's, he's created both of them because i mean yeah yeah because penguin wasn't penguin was penguin he wasn't oswald cobblepot until shrek came along he wasn't may- mayoral candidate yeah. oswald cobblepot's uh, and then he essentially creates Lena Kyle as Catwoman, and then he gets his comeuppance in the end. Last question: Is this more of a Batman movie or a Tim Burton movie? It's Tim. This is a Tim Burton movie. The Batman Batman eighty nine is is more of a Batman movie. But yeah, no, it's it's obvious. Even if you didn't know the backstory of how this went down, like it's it's obvious that Burton showed up for the. They were like, you know what, you did a great job for the last one. Yeah, here here's the second one, and Burton went. All right, now this is me. I agree. Uh, awards: the Beatrice Strait Award, actor, actress, limited scenes that kills it. This is tough because it's it's a ensemble film, but no one's really like supporting in it. Um, no one's no nom- one's limited. No one's limited. It's the thing. Like, yeah, no one's I like have in, two like- two nominations for very small roles. Okay. Uh, Vincent Cervelli as the organ grinder, just because I love Vincent Cervelli as a as a character actor. The organ grinder, uh, and he's oh he's, okay, okay, yeah, he's okay, one of the henchmen. Yeah, 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 he's the one yes, that always yes. has the monkey with him. But, but yeah, he's Mr. Vargas from from Fast Times. <laughs> then my other one, he's only got like two scenes, but the guy that his, his name's Andrew Brynyarski. <laughs> he also played Zangief in the um, in the Street Fighter movie, but. Uh, that he's he's chip he's uh max shrek's son <laughs> I, I i almost like that the eric trump look-alike uh <laughs> dad run 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 dad save yourself save yourself <laughs> i think just for sheer i remember that guy all the time yeah. just like i've never seen him in anything else i'm gonna go i'll go with him i just, all right 
Let's do it. We want the big guy, the guy who runs the show. What do you want? Not you. Shrek. You'll have to go through me. Ooh. Chip. That go. Save yourself. That go. The Annie Potts X Factor Award supporting actor actress is the most memorable. Uh, I'm going Devito for this one. Really? Yep. Are you are you gonna get five for the MVP? Is that what's gonna happen? I, I can't I'm, I can't show my hand yet. We're still we're still <laughs> playing the game. Well, I mean, the question is, do you consider Pfeiffer supporting or lead? Uh, I would say everyone in this movie is supporting. I don't think there is a lead actor in this movie. Okay. It's an on, it's an ensemble piece. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Pfeiffer for X Factor. That's that's what I'm gonna say. Okay. <laughs> okay. I'm gonna say Pfeiffer. We'll see what you because you might say Fiverr for MVP. That's fine. There, it'll be a debate. But I'm gonna say Fiverr for X Factor. Now, right, we'll I, have to, I stand. We'll, I stand by Danny DeVito. We'll have to play a scene with both of them together or something. But co X Factor awards, we can have multiple. You can have multiple winners, like and multiple winners and multiple awards for one person. But X Factor award, Danny DeVito, Michelle Fe- Michelle Pfeiffer. It's chilly in here. I'll warm you. Down on the world. We need to talk. You see, you and I have something in common. Sounds familiar. Uh, appetite for destruction? Contempt for the czars of fashion? Wait, don't tell me. Naked sexual charisma. Batman. <laughs> the thorn in both our sides. The fly in our ointment. Ointment? <laughs> Scented or unscented? I'll come back later. Perchance are you a registered voter? I am a mayoral prospect, you know. I have but one pet cause today. Ban the bat. Oh, him again. No bother. He's already history. Check it out. We're gonna disassemble his Batmobile and turn it into an H-bomb on wheels. No, no. He'd have even more power as a martyr. To destroy Batman, we must first turn him into what he hates the most, namely us. The Gene Hackman MVP award, person who carries the movie, director, actor, actress, or whoever. Michelle Pfeiffer. (laughs) (laughs) How dare you? How dare you? Supporting. I'm going to say Tim Burton. That's the thing. Yeah, fine. No, it's (laughs) Michelle Pfeiffer. This This is Michelle Pfeiffer's movie. It's not Catwoman's movie necessarily maybe we, we said that maybe it's we said that we argue it. whose story is yeah. it yeah yeah but this is michelle pfeiffer's movie she she owns it from her first scene to the literally the last shot of the movie that's fine she can be an mvp award winner and an x-factor award winner that happens yeah andre iguodala won for the golden state warriors an mvp when he's a supporting player i got it it's okay it's fine uh shout out for basketball fans listen to this podcast um I'm gonna say Tim Burton just because I feel like this is like I feel like the first tr- and, and even though he had Edward Scissorhands and he had Beetlejuice, but I feel like this is like, hey Tim, here's a big budget. Go make your like true like vision of a Tim Burton movie. This does feel like yeah, this does feel like the most I'm gonna say digestible, but like the the most the best synergy he would ever have between like a big Hollywood studio film yeah. and his 
in his style because Beetlejuice and Edward Scissorhand, just, you know, were still a little to him. They're not necessarily like as user friendly, I think. Um, and I, yeah. I think this, and they're, this and they're is, small, they're smaller in budget. I feel yeah. too. Like, it's not like, Hey, here's a blank check. Go make Beetlejuice. But yeah, I think this might be the peak of him. Like, really fresh unique take on a big hollywood movie before we start to go down the slope of like yeah let me same thing same thing in every movie (laughs) i know he does i know he does ed wood next which is a like very different from from this film it's again a much he he went and made a much smaller film yeah he does uh it goes batman returns 92 edward 94 mars attack 96 sleepy hollow 99 Planet of the Apes 2001 uh Big Fish 2003. And I think this is the one where it's like dude here here's 70 million dollars and for the time very big go make your Tim Burton movie. Mm-hmm. And it's like cool. It just has to have Batman in the movie. <laughs> That's yeah. it. So you're going Michelle Pfeiffer, I'm going Tim Burton. Selena? Huh? Hi. I'm sorry I didn't mean to scare you. Scare me? No. I've it's just Scaring myself, actually. I don't see how, but anyway, it's nice to see you out in the real world away from Shrek. Yeah, well, it's nice to be here. You all right? Mm-hmm. You look like maybe you have the holiday blues or something. Mm-hmm. Boy, the news these days, weird. I heard on TV that Catwoman is thought to weigh 140 pounds. I don't know how these hacks sleep at night. It's not even accurate. Batman blows it. He'd probably save millions of dollars in property damage alone. Mm. You're not going to that, are you? The, uh, the relighting of the tree thing? No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be caught dead there. It's gonna be a hot time on the cool town tonight. You... You got kind of a kind of a dark side don't you no darker than yours Bruce final questions you never answered me when I texted you about this I said do you want to do in terms of remaking the cast do you do today or do you do 1940s I don't know man it's tough I don't know for either of them okay because I have a 1940s cast all right let's go 1940s let's do it I have a 1940s cast uh who do you want first let's do penguin we'll go in order of introduction okay I don't have a Max Shrek, so we can maybe talk that one out. Uh, old Penguin, I mean, the top choice is Edward G. Robinson. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's, that's it. I mean, I, I have a backup if you can't get Edward G. Robinson, you go with James Cagney, but I'm mm-hmm. going with Edward G. Robinson. It's like, I think that he he already has the face for it. Like, yeah. he has this kind of like, just like, because it's also, you become more of the gangster Penguin with him, mm-hmm. but I think he could do well with it. Yeah, I back that 100%. That, that was, as soon as you said 1940s, that was the one I thought of. Okay, uh, Catwoman. I have two people. And a possible third. Uh, Ava Gardner. Okay. And Rita Hayworth. Hmm. My backup, Barbara Stanwyck. I'll counter you with Lauren Bacall. I also thought Lauren Bacall as well earlier, so I'm, I'm fine with Lauren Bacall. Lauren McCall has a very has the has the voice for it if that makes sense. She has a She's very distinct voice. She has the presence. Lauren McCall, that she was in my four, um, but I didn't want to. I, we, we just did, I mean, granted, we just I did just I just did just give Ever G. Robinson. But I was like, we did just cover Lauren McCall a bit in noir, but we did 
we did so well. Yeah, we covered something Robinson. where she was underutilized. So let's uh, let's give her let's give her let's, more let's give her yeah. more of a role. Okay. Uh and Batman. You know what? You know what? You're I this is one of those things where I, I'm not admitting I was wrong, but I would watch a Dick Powell Batman. Oh wow. Oh, I love it. <laughs> I love it. He was not my pick, but I love it. I love Dick Powell as Batman in this. I get so I'd buy that. I'd buy that. Person I wrote, person I wrote down because he played Zorro, and Zorro is essentially Batman. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tyrone Power. Tyrone Power. Yeah. Yeah. I also, for some reason, I had a brief thought for Henry Fonda, but I don't know if Fonda, Fonda is like the like the dark brooding guy because he could play that dark brooding Western hero very very well. Mm-hmm. But it, it might be too like ah shucks if that makes sense. I don't know if I buy him as the playboy Bruce Wayne. Yeah. 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 I have one in mind, but I also kind of want to save him for Max Shrek. Okay. But, well, yeah, I'll go and give it to you. Uh, oh, wait, I do want to go back to Penguin real quick. You go with Penguin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Orson Welles. An old, well, I mean. No, 1940s okay. Orson Welles. Late, late 40s. He, like, I mean, are you, I mean, he, he put, he'll put on makeup. He's done it before. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. We'll go yeah. with it. Orson because, Welles in third, third man. Yeah. He's, he's getting a little bit heftier on that one. Um, but that the reason I just thought of him is because I was going to say I would definitely watch a Joseph Cotton Bruce Wayne. Okay. The studio goes, no, no, we we want somebody else, maybe somebody younger. I'm gonna say, all right, well then, Joseph I'm, Cotton I'm put, is Max I'm Shrek. Him as Shrek. Yeah. Who who's like a weird? I mean, I mean, I like Goat Joseph Cotton, but I'm trying to like of a weird like who's the Christopher Walken of the 1940s is like what I'm wondering. <laughs> Edward G. Robinson. I mean, Edward G. <laughs> Cagney. Cagney would actually be an interesting Max Shrek. That wouldn't be bad, actually. I'd buy uh, that. All, all good I, picks. I, I, I could see a Bogart Shrek, too, as kind of being I, the guy who's pulling I, the strings. I thought the same thing, too. I really, I really, I don't know where, but Clark Gable came to mind, but I don't know where you put him. Like, I don't really see him. I don't know if he could be Batman. Maybe. Yeah, I could see it. I, I think it's possible. He has the Playboy, like, Bruce Wayne down, but... Who do you got? You got somebody. <laughs> no, I'm going back to Penguin. Spencer Tracy. Okay, I see Spencer Tracy in that. So uh, again, a lot of great actors that could have played some wonderful superhero roles, but <laughs> <laughs> just didn't get the chance. So who, who? Okay, so we're who's our final Batman? I like Cotton. Okay, I like Dick, I like the Dick Powell pick. Really. You like Dick that's, Powell? I, I, I like would go Dick, Dick Powell. Yeah, I, I feel like that's keeping in line with with the Keaton. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the Keaton theme of yeah, like yeah, you know, subverting, this guy not expected yeah. to to be. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Dick, Dick Powell is Batman. Eric G. Robinson is Penguin. Lauren Bacall is Catwoman, and Joseph Cotton is Max Shrek. All right, I like that. I'd I'd watch that 1940s movie. Um, does this film fit with any other genres? You know, it's weird. Some of some Batman movies can be like maybe the first Batman. You can be like, oh, it's a detective film. Obviously, Batman was started as a detective comic comic, yeah, yeah. but this one I don't think has any like detective aspects to it whatsoever. <laughs> You have Batman a little just, bit. You have you have one scene when he's like looking up Penguin's backstory. But yeah. That's about it. Yeah. yeah. No, it's just this weird little twisted Christmas adjacent movie, man. That's why we're doing this. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I I would say it has noir qualities. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah for sure. I I would I would say that. Uh, how does this film fit within the Christmas adjacent genre? You know, it's like like we said, the Christmas adjacent genre is like an atmosphere thing. It's the it's the seasoning, you know. It's yeah. the it's the nutmeg on top that <laughs> um, 
and that really drives home you know you watch a christmas movie you're expecting these themes about redemption you're expecting themes about family you know everything to turn out all right in the end and that is all this movie by by invoking that christmas spirit this movie then goes no there's no redemption we're we're looking at two people specifically who are both broken in very different ways after being orphaned yeah and you know it's it's pretty bittersweet in the end yeah um so yeah it's it's that it's that like like you said with a christmas adjacent movie this movie would exist if you took away christmas yeah. but a lot of that flavor to it is going to be gone it's gone yeah yeah i mean it, it's it's against it's all of these characters who are just lonely people mm-hmm. like all of them catwoman is or selena kyle's like selena kyle is like the original cat lady mm. legitimately it's like she's feeding cats. She's alone. She's like getting messages from her pa- from her mother that she won't answer. The guy just left her. Uh, Penguin has no family. He has this kind of like makeshift family. In the end, they all leave him as well when Batman shows up. <laughs> I love that shot. I meant to bring that up. I love that shot. The lady the woman, that fights fi- fades like away. <laughs> <laughs> just fades away. Like, yeah. uh oh everyone leaves them and then the end like it's again an ending of a christmas movie it's like oh we're all together having a a big meal and no it's it's batman in a car with his with his butler slash friend alfred and a cat and it's just like and gotham is empty because everyone's inside having a, a a merry christmas and batman's again just cruising the streets lonely so sad so so sad <laughs> goodwill towards men and women um and cats. and cats that's your last image of keaton unless because he's supposed to be in the flash movie at some point but that's your last image of keaton as a as batman is alone unless, in you, car. Count, unless you count birdman as as a batman continuation i don't but it's 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 it's, <laughs> it's 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 up there uh anything else on batman returns uh that's it happy happy december everyone happy december it's gonna be a, gonna be a great month of christmas adjacent bring it bringing you some downers oh it's gonna be great uh, but yeah, that's all we have for you today. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to the Nation Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcast. And be sure to leave us a review on whatever platform you're on. Those are very helpful to us. And we like hearing what you guys have to say. And if you haven't already, make sure you like us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And next week, we'll be talking about Martin McDonough's 2006 film, In Bruges, starring Colin Farrell, Brendan Gleeson, and Ray Fiennes. You don't want to miss it. Thomas, as always, thank you for joining me. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you all for listening. We have to listen to more episodes soon. Bye. Bye.